This is the Design Spark Podcast. Yes, that's right. The Design Spark Podcast. Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. We are the presenters, so you'll be entertained as we talk about tech and we have a good laugh about the past and the present and the future and stuff. This is the Design Spark Podcast. Coming up on the Design Spark Podcast. I'm better at making this sound than a quantum computer. No. Whatever I say is going to be offensive to someone with that name, isn't it? Yes, Karen. People are reacting as if it was made for adults when it obviously wasn't. That's the point of inception. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Design Spark podcast, the show that uses facts, songs, and precision engineered puns to master the mysteries of modern tech. I'm Professor Lucy Rogers, the inventor with a sense of fun, and I'm here in my lab with two mirth makers and my technology trainees, Beck Hill and Harriet Brain. How have you been? Very well, very well. It's Harriet, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I brought you this pot plant for your lab, Lucy. What do you think? Oh, it's lovely. I like the way... Ow, it's spiky. Oh, yeah, I made it out of real pots. I don't think that's what Lucy was hoping for when, when you said you were bringing her a pot plant. Ah, yes, old stoner Lucy. Everybody <laughs> knows Lucy for her gratuitous drug use. <laughs> Cake. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, please do be careful while you're in the lab, as a surprising number of my inventions are booby-trapped. <laughs> <laughs> Beck, what do you make of my surprisingly small supercomputer? Tastes weird. <laughs> Thanks. Harriet, which subatomic particle from my collection do you like most? Oh, um, the leftmost one. What, the green one? Yeah, yeah, the one that's sort of green um, and sort of unassuming and kind of cool, but like not flirty. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one, the one that I put the googly yeah. eyes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's... I find that very flirty. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, because this episode we'll be mastering the mysteries of quantum computing. Beck and Harriet, how much do you know about this? Absolutely nothing. Uh, Less than nothing. I know you're Kelvin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Virtually nothing as well. I know that quantum has something to do with a cat and computing has something to do with bits. And so I don't know why it's qubits and not cat bits, to be honest. (laughs) for those listening who do know everything about quantum computing then whatever you do don't start a rival podcast Mm -hmm. even if it does have a different spin that was a joke for the geeks very good very good i got it i really got it oh no span right past me (laughs) (laughs) for everyone else i'll be sharing my quick start guide and beck and harriet will be presenting their findings from their research assignments I've been working very hard on my assignment. Uh, uh, yep, no, me, me too, me too. Don't look at me while I look at this Google. <laughs> not, even, not even book. <laughs> well, at the end of the show, we'll find out exactly how much you've learned when I give you a examination. Uh-uh. It's more of a quiz, really, but I like to give things fancy names. That's how we got ours. Hey, Harriet. <laughs> yeah. Before, I was just known as... <laughs> No, I tried to think of a boring name and I was like, whatever I say is going to be offensive to someone with that name, isn't it? Yes, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) The trainee with the highest score will get their very own DesignSpark Masters in Technology badge, which is a bit like a bus pass, except it's not a pass, 
And it isn't valid on buses. <laughs> Time to get on with the show. Let's kick things off with my quick start guide. A quantum computing 101, if you will. Or, as all computer scientists out there would call it, a quantum computing 1100101. Now, to truly understand quantum computers, you'd need to truly understand quantum mechanics. Lay down, Lucy, I'm ready. <laughs> Except, nobody truly understands quantum mechanics. <laughs> All we do know is that the maths behind it somehow works, like a tax bill, or how you can score 27 points in Scrabble with the word packwax. <laughs> That's not a word. <laughs> Lucy gave it that fancy name. Packwax. <laughs> packwax. You did lose me at quantum, though. You lost me at tax bill. <laughs> <laughs> when a performer makes enough money, Harriet, they have to pay... <laughs> Ouch. Quantum means tiny. It's the minimum amount of a thing, physical item or property, involved in an interaction. Ah, so like how much work I put into stuff is a quantum amount. <laughs> so a quantum leap, technically, means the tiniest possible advancement. Aww. It sounds so big. I always thought of like a quantum leap as being like a massive leap. Microwave. Aww. A microwave. Aww. <laughs> To make a quantum computer, we need some qubits, which are basically regular computer bits, but quantum-y. <laughs> there are several different ways to get them. You could trap cooled ions with a laser, use superconducting circuits, or simply pretend to be a hot Ukrainian particle looking for a no-strings entanglement. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I got that in my spam folder. <laughs> Whichever way it's done, the qubits tend to be very unstable, so they need to be kept at about 0 0.01 degrees above absolute zero. The more qubits you have, the more powerful your computer. The current record of 53 qubits is held by IBM. 53 qubits may not sound like a lot, but a computer with 300 qubits could handle more data than there are particles in the universe – and that, my friends, is a lot of browser tabs. <laughs> Beck and Harriet, what do you think makes qubits so powerful? Probably spinach. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how they do it. I guess the fact that we keep giving them attention. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we stopped giving them attention, they'd probably not have that power over us. I mean, attention makes children unstable, so it probably makes particles unstable too. <laughs> Qubits use a trick called quantum superposition. Imagine flipping a coin. It'll either come down heads or tails. But a quantum coin would be more like spinning it on its edge. Oh, like in uh, Inception. It's not a coin, it's a spinning top. But it never drops, or does it? That's the point of Inception. I don't remember that part of Inception. <laughs> it was a really big part. It's like how it ended. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. <laughs> it is neither heads nor tails, and it is actually... Both of them, neither of them, and everything in between. Once again, nobody really understands it, no matter how much they pretend to. A bit like the plot of Inception. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> what we do know is that quantum effects such as superposition and entanglement mean quantum computers are likely to be really good at certain problems that conventional computers aren't, such as breaking encryption, finding cures for diseases, or working out why it always takes three attempts to insert a USB drive correctly. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Entanglement is my favorite Disney movie. <laughs> so all my passwords will be hacked as soon as someone makes one. Not mine. It's HB underscore 58439. No one will ever guess that. <laughs> Luckily, fully functioning quantum computers don't yet exist because they're so hard to make, scale and keep stable. How do you know? Maybe they don't exist and they exist at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Some companies have instead made noisy intermediate scale quantum or NISC computers. Catchy. <laughs> which let us start playing about with them. And by us, I really do mean us, as IBM have a web portal where you can try and program one for free. The details are in the show notes. And don't forget, if you do manage to bring down the banking system, you never heard it from me. And that concludes my quick start guide to quantum computing. Yay! I vaguely remember half of that. <laughs> I'm so intrigued by this, like, try and, like, program challenge. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, like other other sort of portals other to other dimensions just opening up when someone manages to do it. <laughs> One of the ways that you can program it, it actually makes it look like um, musical staves and you have to put things on. That's cute. That's where I got lost. Oh. Wasn't the quantum, it was the music. <laughs> I might actually have a chance at that. <laughs> now, to understand where we are, we've got to know where we came from. It's as true for quantum computing as it is for me, lost in a bus station the morning after Robot Wars Christmas drinks. <laughs> Harriet, your first assignment was to research the history of quantum computing. How did you get on? Um... It's a fairly complicated thing to try and understand because to try and talk about quantum computing, you have to talk about quantum mechanics. So let's see, let's see what, I, what I've managed to scrape together. So we all know that in the subatomic realm, or as I like to call it, the tiny kingdom, an object can be both a wave and a particle because it's the law in that realm. It's allowed, it's the done thing like wigs in court or uh, the wigs we're wearing now in the lab. <laughs> Beck's sporting a very lovely pink bum-shaped wig. It's a hat. <laughs> the first lawyers of the tiny kingdom were Heisenberg, Schrödinger, Einstein and Partners Limited, who discovered the laws of quantum physics in the first half of the 20th century. Ever since then, theoretical physicists have been advocating for various different interpretations of the laws, specifically how these laws could affect a cat. <laughs> Allow me to translate the legal jargon. When we say cat, we mean reality. <laughs> I think the main problem with visualising quantum mechanics is the limitations of language. We simply don't have the words, and I've done some research into this. I fed Tiny Kingdom Law into an AI bot, which then compared it to various genres of writing in the English language. It turns out quantum mechanics is most closely related to nonsense poetry. The data analysed by the bot show that the subatomic realm has slithy toves, which do indeed both gyre and gimbal in the wave, until they are observed, <laughs> at which point they either gyre or gimbal, and the Jabberwocky snickers or snacks. I pointed out to the bot that quantum and nonsense kind of rhyme, <laughs> at which point it killed itself. <laughs> Engineers have been trying to build an electronic tiny kingdom or quantum computer since the late 1990s. But as John Preskill and I always say, fault-tolerant quantum computing is still a rather distant dream. As distant as the one where I'm about to beat Novak Djokovic in the final of Wimbledon 2090 and wake up just before I get to find out who John Preskill is. But anyhow... 
I'm out of Tiny Kingdom metaphor, and in the real world, on the 23rd of October 2019, some couple called Googly Eye and Naysay, oh wait, uh, it's Google AI in partnership with NASA, published a paper in which they claim to have achieved quantum supremacy. Sadly, this doesn't mean they've made a mashup of the Bourne and James Bond films, because I would definitely watch that. It actually means that they can demonstrate that a programmable quantum device can solve a problem that a classical computer really struggles with, which I guess means they can tick every box in a picture that contains a so-called traffic light to prove they're a human. <laughs> Score one for the tiny kingdom! <laughs> and that concludes my research into the history of quantum computing. Yay! <laughs> Harriet, that was great. And there was me thinking the tiny kingdom was the name of the nursery Will and Kate sent their children. Nice. Now we know some history, I think it's time to move into the present, also known as Beck's assignment. Beck, I'm sure you've been working really hard on your excuses, like how you did the homework, but it was eaten by Schrodinger's cat. Yes, you're right. <laughs> and when you say working hard, I mean it was really hard to work on this one. <laughs> OK, your assignment was to find 10 ways a human can do better than a quantum computer. How did you get on? I'll let you guys decide. Introducing the top 10 things I can do better than a quantum computer. Number 10. Sneeze. <laughs> I've never seen a quantum computer sneeze and I'm pretty sure I'm better at it. <laughs> Number 9. Arm wrestle. I reckon I could beat a quantum computer at arm wrestling. Ooh, I'm not sure because if a quantum computer could control a robot arm... Well, fine, if we're going to play that game, I'll control another robot that's stronger. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, do the floss. I'm really good at the floss, like the dance move. You guys, I'll do it for you right now in the lab. Come on, I'll demonstrate. I want to see it. Go on. Yep. Just going to move these items around in Lucy's lab just to make some space. <laughs> All right, and off I go. I'm flossing. No. There you go. <laughs> I thought it was something to do with dentists. Oh, I can do it to dentists too. <laughs> Number seven. I'm better at making this sound than a quantum computer. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that one to the imagination of, of the audience. <laughs> she did it with her other cheeks. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to... Yeah, the one's on my face this time. <laughs> There's a reason we're only allowed on audio. <laughs> Number six, poo. I've never seen a quantum computer poo. I don't care to. <laughs> Number five, I'm better at making cheese on toast. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Excellent. Number four, I'm better at going, ah, after a refreshing drink. <laughs> Case in point. I actually, you shouldn't have drunk that. That was, oh, doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ah, why are my toes so big? <laughs> oh, no, that's them normally. Number three. I'm also better at just drinking than quantum computers. I tried. I challenged one to a, to a drink competition and I won. So there's that. Well done. Number two. I'm better at kissing with tongues. <laughs> And number one, I am better at co-hosting a hilarious and educational podcast about technology. Thankfully. 
great. Yeah, I think we can all agree. <laughs> I'm glad you guys agree on that because I did not want to be replaced. <laughs> <laughs> and those are my top 10 things I can do better than a quantum computer. <laughs> Thank you, Beck. And extra points for counting all the way from 10 down to 1 this time. Yay! (laughs) My supercomputer has calculated there's an 86% chance we're halfway through the show, which means the examination is coming up fast. Beck and Harriet, how confident are you feeling? I don't want to use the word tech genius because that is... (laughs) Two words. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident. I think I'm going to really surpass everyone's expectations of me. <laughs> I predict the examination will go about as well as you two playing deep blue at chess. So let's see if this week's audience question will help boost your chances. Dan from Doncaster messaged us to ask, will quantum computers be any good at spreadsheets? Uh. Yeah. I mean, how good? Dan hasn't given us a, a, a range. That's a little spreadsheet pun to to go on. Mm. I think uh, I think this is one I think this is one for Lucy. What do you think? <laughs> so I made a spreadsheet on a classical computer with all the pros and cons of what quantum computers can do uh, in a spreadsheet that a classical computer can't. And the classical computer told me that quantum computers are actually going to be no good at spreadsheets uh, compared to it. Bias. Yeah, I, I thought that was bias. So I did the whole experiment again, just using pen and paper. And again, it came out with quantum computers are not going to be very good at spreadsheets. Why? Yeah, why is that? Well, you know how you type something in and you don't one plus one equals two in your spreadsheet? Yeah. Well, in quantum, it's going to be one might be one, might be a zero. Mind blown. <laughs> I don't know. It's not what I heard. I heard that quantum computers will excel at it. Oh. <laughs> I have one last question. It's from Lucy in the lab and it says, is it time for a song? Oh, I think it might be. Everybody learns in different ways. Some people are visual learners. Some people write notes on little cards. Harriet likes to do a one-woman song about poorly understood historical icons. Which quantum legend are you this week, Harriet? Bohr? Einstein? Schrodinger? Nearly. (laughs) So, you know that film Cats the Musical that everyone loved? Right, guys? Right? I heard there was a musical. I watched it, loved it. uh, But I think everyone kind of missed the point. It's, it's, It's a children's film. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I should watch it. And people are reacting as if it was made for adults when it obviously wasn't. Because each cat has like a little song that kind of tells us a bit about itself. And I thought, what was Schrodinger's cat's song in Cats Be? <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yep. Yep. No, we're with you. <laughs> okay. I'm a hypothetical cat, a joke that just ain't funny. Because I don't exist, you can't even rub my tummy But people know me all over the world, I'm really quite famous here So have you heard of Schrodinger's cat? Why yes, I know that cat (laughs) I'm a theoretical cat inside a thought experiment 
Involving a box, atomic decay, and boundless further merriment. <laughs> Physicists agonize over my health, they make such a fussy. Is it alive or dead or both? Schrodinger's lovely <clears throat> cat. <laughs> I'm a paradoxical cat, I can never be contained Unless the container's a steel box, in which case I'm game All the other cats envy me, they're consumed by jealousy Cause I can play the keyboard better than any YouTube pussy I'm Schrodinger's cat, Schrodinger's cat There's really not much more I can say about that If you want more information, you should ask Dr. Lucy, cause she's done lots more reading about Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that was great, Harriet. Great. It's just a shame for our listeners that they can't see your creepily realistic CGI fur. <laughs> <laughs> and I painted my face, especially for the song. <laughs> did you like the dance that I did to accompany it? It was mainly flossing. <laughs> oh, oh, Lucy. Beck, I've told you, you can go to the loo whenever you want. It's not that. I'm just really pumped about the big idea. Is that the assignment where you come up with an invention that uses quantum computing to do something wonderful for humanity? Oh, is that what I was supposed to do? Ah, <laughs> uh, close enough. Here's my attempt at my big idea. My research has shown that virtually all quantum processors today use a superconducting architecture. So what architecture should I use for my invention? I mean, you've heard of BlackBerry, Apple and Raspberry Pi. And now it's time for a brand new freak-themed processing architecture. Introducing kumquat computing. <laughs> what can it do? I don't know. How does it work? You tell me. <laughs> There is a manual, but if you read it, it stops working. <laughs> Every kumquat computer comes with a free Henry Hoover because they require a vacuum to operate. Oh. Forget Ask Jeeves, search the web with kumquat's very own search engine, Probability Victor. <laughs> Probability Victor won't only find the answers to your questions, it will also find the questions to your answer. Did you even ask a question? What is actually happening? Why is my nose bleeding? <laughs> you can also expect a Kumquat smartphone to be released soon once we fix the problem with interference. The Kumquat computer is in such high demand that people are lining up at the logic gates for one. But don't mind the qubit, it's worth it for a superposition. <laughs> Kumquat computers, because even if you don't know if you want one now, you might change your mind in the future. <laughs> Lucy, Harriet, what do you reckon? Uh, it's fantastic. I, I will, I'll be buying one. Yay! Yep, Beck, thank you very much for bringing us your big idea. It sounds like it could have a real impact on the world, if it wasn't nonsense. <laughs> so it's about time for your tech examination. How are you both feeling? Pretty good. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before we do the exam, and not that I'm stalling or anything, what do you think's going to happen in the future, Lucy? Well, you know I shouldn't really speculate. Really? Oh, okay. You've twisted my arm, but I warn you, this bit is going to have a pretty large dose of imagination. Sit back while I give you my forecast for the future for quantum computing. 
you ever written a post for social media and then stared at it for ages before sending because it was a little too risque or rude? <laughs> Should I post that picture of Beck and I dressed as the Spice Girls? <laughs> was it fair to make Harriet ginger spice? <laughs> well, never fear, because in the future, we'll have Quitter. <laughs> Twitter for the quantum generation who've decided to give up on having to choose anything. <laughs> Twitter will transform your message into a quantum waveform which is both sent and not sent. <laughs> Meaning that if enough people love it, the waveform collapses into a successful post. And if too many people hate it, it never existed in the first place. Twitter also lets you entangle your opinion of someone else's post with the opinion of everyone else on Twitter. So now, whenever any of your friends post something, you no longer bear the heavy responsibility of deciding whether to like, hate, or share their tedious gif. <laughs> Quitter simply waits to see what everyone else thought of it, and then does the same. Of course, because everyone has the same feature, then the chances of any post getting any responses now tends to zero. Meaning if you do get a like, you really should be excited. Quitter also doubles as a dating app as it can use a whole server farm of quantum computers to stop you having to solve the hardest known problem in the universe. Does anyone look like their profile picture? <laughs> yes, in the future. Quitter truly is the perfect application of quantum computing. Freed from the everyday grind of social media, humans can now focus on the truly important things in life, on making breakthroughs for the betterment of the world. Oh, hang on a second. Joe Wicks just followed me on Twitter. Yes, I'm relevant again. <laughs> now, who should I go and gloat about it to first? Yay! <laughs> I would absolutely love Twitter, Lucy. That would solve so many problems for me. It would be great, wouldn't it? Mm. Yes. It's, yeah, one of my favourite ideas yet. I can see my supercomputer is busy deleting all evidence of this recording, so it really must be time to see if we've learned anything. Beck and Harriet, I've given you my quick start guide, you've completed your assignments, and I've outlined what's sure to be a very accurate forecast for the future. And if it's not, feel free to invent the time machine and tell me otherwise. <laughs> Are you ready for your examination? <sighs> I don't know. I've never felt less ready. <laughs> my confidence weighs on how nervous Harriet is and she's pretty nervous so I'm gonna say that I feel slightly more confident <laughs> <laughs> okay the rules are simple I ask you both questions based on today's episode and you buzz in with the right answers talking of which they're called buzzers because when you press them you get a small electric shock only joking <laughs> or am I <laughs> let's hear them in action Beck. Ah, I can feel colours. <laughs> Harriet? Oh, my feet are fizzy. <laughs> right, time for some questions. I've got a good feeling about this. Question one. How many qubits would allow a quantum computer to handle more data than there are particles in the universe? Three hundred. Oh, good memory, good memory, Beck. Well done. Oh, I knew that. Question two: 
How many degrees above absolute zero must a processor be kept at to make qubits stable enough for a quantum computer? <laughs> Harriet. 0 0.01. Ooh, you spot. Yeah. <laughs> Question three. What does the N stand for in a NISC computer? Beck. <laughs> Nano? Natural. National? No. Wait, wait. I do know this one. <laughs> Noisy. Yay. <laughs> you would know that one, Beck. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I get told off for being too N all the time. <laughs> Question four. Beck. Who said fault-tolerant quantum computing is still rather a distant dream? It wasn't John Prescott. <laughs> I have no idea. Harriet? John Preskill. John Preskill. I said it. I said it. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're on the quantum one, not the time-travelling episode. <laughs> Question five. What is quantum supremacy? Beck. Yes. I know it's not a mix of James Bond and the Bourne franchise. <laughs> well done. I think you should get the point for that. <laughs> I always remember the funny bits. <laughs> Harriet. It's, well, it's, it's allegedly when a quantum computer can do something that a classical one ca can't really do. Yes, well done. <laughs> Question six, Harriet. What sound was something Beck claimed she can do better than a quantum computer? <laughs> That's not fair. I can't do that sound. <laughs> cheeks are not voluptuous enough. <laughs> You're going to have to do it, Beck. Go on then, Beck. Delightful. Yes, that was exactly the sound. <laughs> Question seven, Harriet. Mm -hmm. Virtually all quantum processors use what type of architecture? Ah, oh. I can't remember. Beck. Superconducting. Yay! Yeah. Well wow. That was too hard. <laughs> Well, that's the end of the examination. And with a score of four to three, Beck wins. Yay! Yay. <laughs> well done, Beck. You're this week's winner. How does it feel to be in a super position? Um, quite frankly, uh, I, I've, I'm so rarely in this position. <laughs> it, it's actually quite nice. <laughs> And how about you, Harriet? Entangled by the questions? Completely. Completely entangled. <laughs> if you played along at home, why not tweet us via at DesignSparkRS and tell us how you did. There are no prizes, but you can still feel a bit smug. How did this week's episode go for you, Beck? Did you master the mysteries of quantum computing? Ah, oh, because I won the examination, I think we can safely say that that is correct. And how about you, Harriet? <laughs> um, I feel slightly better off than I did at the start of the show. 
Well, that's about it for now. But tune in next week for a bonus episode where we talk to a very special guest. Thank you for listening and may all your qubits be stable. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye, Nari. Bye. The Design Spark podcast was a Why Did the Chicken production for Design Spark, starring Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. It was written by the cast and Catherine Brinkworth, with additional material from the producers, Stu Cooper and Dan Page. All audio was mastered by Andy Partington from Swift Professional Audio. And if you like what you heard, then we'd love you to do three nice things. Subscribe, rate us on iTunes, and tell a friend. For more episodes and bonus content, head to designspark.com forward slash podcasts.